0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on "Recovery of Sight to the Blind" from Luke 4:18. I'm excited! I'm so excited to jump in today. I'm ready to rock and roll. We need a miracle to take place today. So can y'all just agree with me? For a mi- lots of miracles took place last week. I got calls and messages throughout this week. It's amazing. Guess what happens? When you pray for the sick, people get healed. Guess what happens when you don't pray for the sick? People don't get healed. I didn't say everybody got healed, but people got healed. More people got healed last Sunday than they would have if we didn't pray for the sick. (laughs) So we're going to keep praying for the sick. We're going to keep praying for those that under attack in their physical bodies. And I just believe that people were healed even here today. I'm thankful for a God that still heals. I'm thankful for a body of believers that understand their assignment on the earth. We don't come in here to watch two or three people on the stage operate in their gifts. We come together for us all to operate in our gifts. And none is more important than the other. And so I'm so thankful for a body. And we can do that because, all right, here's my goal. We only have a couple of weeks left in this series of It's 418 Time. Do we even have that graphic? I noticed, uh, I don't think it's got, the, there we go. Yeah, awesome. It's 418 Time. We've been here since 418. April 18th, which was the day after Easter, God began to turn my heart on Palm Sunday, looking towards that day and just that there was a significant uh, transition, a significant launching around that time. And I've given the backstory you can go and look at, uh, go listen if you've missed. Uh, don't have time today, but um, so it, it's super exciting. and we have just a few weeks left. We've been going through Luke chapter 4 verse 18. But I'm hoping, I told you last week, sometimes I think we need more, less teaching and more impartation. And so I'm hoping that something will be imparted before we're finished with this series. And so we've only got a few weeks left, and, and I, hope that, I hope that this doesn't become a passage that you read and say that's awesome about Jesus. But I hope it's a conviction that you carry that this is who I am, and this is why I am on the earth for such a time as this. So let me do it again today. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you, because He has anointed you to preach good news to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are bound, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Do you receive that? So let's say it together. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Yes. I'm hoping that we'll wake up every morning and put our foot, feet on the floor. Maybe somebody here has one foot. That was for you. It's possible. We're going to pray for creative miracles. If you have one foot, we're going to pray for creative. But if you're, when your feet hit the floor, I pray that we will begin to say the Spirit, of the sovereign Lord is upon me today because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What if we all went through our days believing that the spirit of the sovereign Lord was upon us? to do those things. Now, here's the miracle that we need, and I don't care. I'm not a respecter of how God wants to do a miracle. He's either going to have to make my notes, which are extensive, fit in a limited time span, or he's going to have to just tell me how to scrap the notes and just something else that will fit in a limited time frame. But we're just going to jump in, and my notes grew during worship, so that's, I was already needing a miracle, and then they grew, and that's concerning. So today, we're going to jump in. Recovery of sight to the blind. Recovery of sight to the blind. Preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. These two kind of go together together deliverance of the capt- to, to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. There's a spiritual connection there because captives were held in dark, dungeness, captive places. And so there was a correlation with coming out of captivity and getting coming into the light, okay? And so there's a correlation there. There is a definite um, physical um, element to this declaration that Jesus makes. Remember in Luke four eighteen, Jesus is actually reading from the scrolls from Isaiah 61, right? And he's reading that there, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, it's, it's a prophecy, and then when he's done, he says, today this has been fulfilled in your ears, and he sits down. I love it, mic drop, sits down. And so, but not only was... This prophecy about, about physical um, blindness, it was about spiritual blindness, of course, right? But I just want you to look at Matthew chapter 15. You don't have to look, actually. Let me just tell you. If you're taking notes, take notes today because I'm not going to read everything on here. That's one miracle, all right? That's how we're going to get through, all right? Matthew chapter 15 just shows us that many brought crowds of people to Jesus, lame, deaf, dumb, Blind, right? And he healed them. Everybody in this room, anybody ever heard a story of Jesus healing someone's blinded eyes? Blind Martimaeus, right? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, right? He healed blinded eyes. I love it in Matthew chapter 11 when John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus to ask, Are you the Messiah, or should we look for another? Now, we know John is the one that said, Behold the Lamb of the world, right? And and he's the one that recognized him. But it's amazing what getting thrown in prison will cause you to doubt, right? Like, are you still the Messiah? Why am I here? Okay? Now, what Jesus told them to go back and tell John was, Go back and report what you hear and see. Those who are blind receive sight and those who are limp walk, and it goes on to tell more things. So one of the things that Jesus tells them to tell John the Baptist to prove that he's the Messiah is that blind eyes were open. So we see that that is prophecy fulfilled. So there is an element to this word that he's saying, I'm going to heal blind eyes. So run with that. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you to heal blind eyes blinded eyes, to heal deaf ears, to heal lame legs. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you to heal broken bodies. And so you are the anointed ones. Danny said it last week. We talked about it fishing. You are the Christ. I don't know how you say that, plural. But we are the anointed ones on the earth, and he's anointed us to heal broken bodies, all right? Matthew four sixteen says, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death upon them, a light dawned. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 1.5 says, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. This means comprehend it. And so there's this, those in darkness can't comprehend the light. The Greek word for this blindness is tuflos. That may not be how you say it. Because I'm not a Greek scholar. Um. And I don't know how to read it, but two flows, sounds good to me, sound good to y'all? So be it, two flows. <laughs> Means to be enveloped with smoke, unable to see clearly, ignorant, stupid, and slow of understanding. You thought it was just, I got my eye poked with a stick, Right? So it's not just getting your eye poked with a stick. It's some of these other situations that he came to heal. Is anybody in here thankful that he came to heal ignorance? (laughs) Right? Raise your hand, baby. Aren't you thankful? (laughs) For me, not you. You have always been good, you've never been ignorance. All right? Oh, we just got back from like a honeymoon. My wife took me away for, it's supposed to be 48 hours for my birthday. I milked it into over 60. Because <laughs> my mom was the child care, and I, she said, we got to get back. And I said, well, I know the nanny. Let me call her, see if I can get us a little more time. And I was able. So people ask me today, why are you smiling so much? I'm like, I've had an amazing week this week it's awesome so it is ignorant stupid anybody glad Jesus came to heal stupid <laughs> and slow of understanding I'm so thankful Matthew 6 and 23 says the eye is a lamp of the body some of this you'll remember from when we talked about the light um when was that Easter, before Easter? I don't remember. I have had the little flashlight in here. Hope you remember what that sermon was about. I don't right now, but... <laughs> oh, goodness. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. you ever seen anything through a bad lens? Have you ever seen anybody through a bad lens? If you had to bet your life on something that somebody was a certain way, you would, and then you find out they weren't that way, but you had a bad lens. It'll mess you up to have a bad lens because the eye is the lamp of the body. Did you know that Blindness is not just a problem with eyes though. Proverbs 29:18 says where there is no vision the people are unrestrained but happy is he who keeps the law. The term vision refers to the complex of eye and brain. You know you can have brain injuries that cause blindness. It's actually a very common cause of blindness. If someone's blind, many times it is because of um, an optic nerve injury or a place in the brain that processes the information injury. The eyes could be good, but they're not able to see. See, because you see things and these lights come in and these colors and all the but it goes through the optic nerve to a place in the brain, and it processes all that stuff, and it actually makes a picture. It's like developing a picture. When it comes in, it's not even that. Isn't that crazy? But it goes in there, and and that puts it together, what's actually being able to be seen. I love the amplified version. Where there is no vision... And I love the parentheses in the Amplified Version, no redemptive revelation of God. If you've been around here for 10 minutes, you've heard me say this before. The people perish. Where there is no redemptive revelation of God. When we don't see him rightly, we perish. And so there's this blindness of not seeing God rightly. Matthew 13 this is talking about the Pharisees, and in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You shall keep on listening, but shall not understand. And you shall keep on looking, but shall not perceive. For the heart of his people, of this people, has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. So we're always seeing with our eyes, but we're not letting it process correctly in our brain. And so it's because we are letting it go through. I really think that lens that is, the eye is the lamp, I think it's that processing ability of the eye that is bad, right? It's not that you can't read the word. It's not that you can't hear the word. It's not that you can't see God move, but somehow it does not process correctly with our lens being broken. In Genesis chapter 3, Verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, God has said you shall eat from the tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat, but from the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. What did God say? What did the serpent say? Surely not. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Skip down to verse 13. The Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So this blindness comes, just like from the very beginning in the garden, there has to be a deception about the heart of God. It wasn't about how great the fruit was on the tree. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that because this is the most amazing, this is just, that he didn't, he didn't even have to appeal with that. There's not a lot of things that we lend ourselves to in the world that if you really just look at them are very appealing. Come on. The ways of the world, the ways that end in like destruction and devastation, I mean addictions and all those things are not very appealing. And so there's no way to make those things look appealing. The only way they can ever be appealing is if the heart of your father is attacked and you feel that like the greatest thing in the world is not there, not available and not who he says he is. Then we just will go for anything. And so the the deception in the garden was not, this tree's so good you should forsake God and eat it. The deception was God doesn't really love you. God doesn't really want what's best for you. God just wants to oppress you and hold you down. You need to do something else. Well, I don't want to partner with anybody that doesn't like me, doesn't want to help me, doesn't want to promote me, so I'll do just about anything other than partner up with them. And so that's the deception that comes in. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, and though in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds. You see that language? Blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. They need a redemptive revelation of God. They've been blinded in their mind. 2 Corinthians 11.3, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. See that concern? I'm afraid you won't understand how simple it is. I'm concerned you won't understand because of the blindedness of your mind how simple it is. I'm afraid you'll overthink and overcomplicate this. I'm afraid when you're lost in captivity and in the world, you won't turn to God because you won't understand how simple it is, how easy it is how welcoming it is, how much better it is. That's the greatest fear. See, we've got this thing. A lot of people are afraid that there's people that are going to not understand how bad they are. And we feel debutized to make sure everyone knows how bad they are, how bad their sin is, how much worse their sin is than ours. Right, and we feel like we need, uh, and and we make fun of preachers if they don't preach hard enough about how bad people are. We say um, they're sissified preachers. They don't preach the truth. They don't do this. They don't do that. They don't let people know how bad they are. And pe- some people's greatest concern and greatest fear is that the church is going to think they're good when they're not. My greatest concern is the church is not going to know how good they really are. And I don't mean good in their own righteousness, but good because of how much God loves them how much they're the apple of his eye, how much he pursues them and chases after them, how much power and authority that they have even though they've fallen short, even though they've made mistakes, even though they should be disqualified. But he says, you're not. I've still chosen you. I've still empowered you. I've still equipped you. My spirit is upon you. Go out and preach good news to the poor but we can't do that if we're constantly introspective because every time we go to church, you need to make sure you're not sinning. (laughs) And our whole goal is to go out this week and try to find something else wrong I'm doing so I can make sure and fix it. I think we're blinded by this introspectiveness. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 5, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for pulling down, for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Our weapons are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful, Worship is a weapon. That's why we're so crazy about worship around here. That's why we want to give plenty of time and give plenty of space. And we not only have it on Sunday morning, but we have glory nights and worship events and worship encounters and worship worship and worship. And we just want to host his presence and declare his goodness and attack and just destroy These speculations, I mean, listen to the songs today, just keep on getting better, you keep on getting better. Every day gets sweeter, every day gets sweeter. You've always been good. There's evidence of your goodness all over my life. My greatest fear is that people won't understand that and won't see that. The evidence of that is when I see someone that, by the world standard, has not been checking off the religious boxes and the first thing they want to tell me when they see me is I'm sorry. I know I've not been doing this enough or this enough. And I, I hate that I represent a system that you think you have to apologize to for not checking off the boxes. I want to know, how are you? How are you? Because the boxes were only for you. The boxes were to help you. The boxes were to edify you. And I noticed that you've missed some things. And I just want to know how are you? Is there any way I can help you, even though you haven't checked the box, to still be healthy and to still be whole and to still be alive and not pay for what you haven't done in the past? Can we just start today? Can I be an ambassador of wholeness and health? And can I come to you where you are and not talk about what you didn't do, yeah. but talk about what God did and what He yeah. wants for you and meet you where you are and let's yeah. move forward? That's what I'm afraid of. I've seen it my whole life. People miss one service, people miss two services, then they're so ashamed of missing one or two that they miss six months. Come on. Yeah so up to here with that i'll be here i'll be here just come on just come on can we just as as an entire body y'all say does anybody just come whenever you want If you miss one, two, three, 10, 27, two years, five years, 10 years, just come on. You can walk in here. We won't talk about it. We won't think about it. We won't look at you weird. We'll just say, hey, man, it's great to see you here. I'm so excited that we get the opportunity to partner together again in life. I hope that today brings health and life and edification to you. It's so good to see you. This stuff is garbage. It's blind leading the blind. And they both fall into the ditch. It's, hey, I notice you got a little speck in your eye. And you got a log in yours. And I always thought, again, merit system, religious, raised in Church. Well, I better not talk to anybody until I make sure I have no specks in my eye. The speck in your eye is constantly being worried about the speck in your eye. Come on. The speck in the Pharisees' eyes was constantly being concerned about whether or not they were fulfilling all the laws or not. That was their speck. And then if I'm constantly worried about that, then I see you not do one of them, then I'm really upset that I'm over here spending all my time trying to make sure I check all the boxes and you just think you can just go to the lake? You should be as miserable as me. That's the message of the church to much of the world. You should be as miserable as us. Blind, blind. We can't even see God correctly. I wish people that couldn't see God correctly would shut up. I wish they would shut up. I really do. I wish I wish they would be quiet. I wish people would get some revelation of his goodness. I mean, I pray pray that for me. But there's a transition in my life. I quit praying that God would give me revelation to know what's wrong with me. Because for so many years, I was on a quest to find out what's wrong with me. Now my quest is, how good are you? And you know what I've discovered? The more I discover about the goodness of God, the less there is wrong with me because the things that were wrong with me were wrong with me because I didn't know how good God was. And I had some things that were being birthed in me out of places of desperation and lack and inferiority that caused me to do some stupid things. But once I discovered how good he was, I had no use for those useless things. And all I wanted to do was fill my life with him. So I'm not worried that people are not gonna know how bad they are. That's not my quest in life, to make sure people know. You gotta tell them the truth. I know God is good. I'm gonna tell them the truth. I'm gonna preach good news to the poor. I'm gonna bind up the brokenhearted and heal them and bring deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. it. What about that passage of what Jesus was anointed to do? Looks like he came to make sure people knew how wrong they were. Which one of those lines? Tell it. Tell it, it's so true. Let's be the Christ yeah. in the earth. Yeah. Let's be the anointed ones that preach yeah. good news to the poor. Yeah. Yeah. But we got to get the speck out of our eye. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta just. You got to know how much he loves you. Been a thing the last few years really started in recovery. I was talking with one of the guys that we were working with in recovery. And the Lord just gave me a revelation because he was a striver. He's actually gone now. He overdosed and died. But this young man, I told him, he was a striver, raised in a very strict religious background that he could never meet up to so don't worry he knew how bad he was for everybody that says if you don't tell them how bad they are their blood's on your hands hey he knew how bad he was i just wish he knew how good he was. i had an opportunity one day to have a conversation with him and lord just brought to my mind when jesus was baptized you know, that was before he started his ministry. Before he healed anybody. Before he healed anybody. Before he did anything significant that the father should say, yeah. Before he did anything, the father said, this is my son, yes, sir. whom I'm well pleased. Yeah. I pray for a revelation. I pray for a recovery of sight to the blind to where you see that the yeah. father is saying about you, this is yeah. My son. This is my daughter. Not based on anything that they have done. And I am well pleased with them. You'll be amazed at the snares and the traps and the things that will fall off of your life just through that revelation. I was telling somebody this week, I think I was about 35 years old, and I've told this story a couple times probably, but I was in a place, and this, this was not on my notes, so here we are. This is another added thing, so just keep praying for that miracle. I think things are falling off. I just feel things falling out of the notes already, all right? We're just going to finish up right here. I was about 35 years old. I was miserable. And we started, we hadn't started the church yet. We'd started planting the church. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. One day, it was so much fun that I came in and I kicked a folding metal chair. And it went across the room. And it hit my sister-in-law, Hannah. <laughs> because out of the handful of people that we had coming, they said they wanted to help us sell donuts so that we could raise some money and accomplish some things for our small storefront church body. And nobody showed up, except my family. And it was snowing, I kid you not. Niecy wave Niecy, My oldest daughter, she's 16, just graduated. She's an overachiever, probably because of this story. Nisi, I probably imparted this to you on that donut sale. Because we had a thousand, say it with me, a thousand dozens of donuts. Just my family and Paul and Chloe were with us and Hannah was with us at that time. I don't remember if anybody else was with us at that time. And... You can't even fit a thousand in vehicles. You got to make multiple trips, and you're trying to sell them a thousand. And we ended up at, we'd went everywhere, you know. The strip up in Gatlinburg is a good place, you know, especially if it's a rod run, you know. But we'd gone everywhere all day. Everybody had done their best. It's snowing. And... Ended up at the Walmart parking lot. This has absolutely nothing, but this is just a good story. We we ended up in in the Walmart parking lot. I told you stuff's falling off my notes. I'm going to fill it with this, all right? We ended up in this Walmart parking lot, and it's snowing, and it's like almost midnight, 11 o'clock. And Nisi at the time was probably six or seven maybe eight, and we had donuts in a, in a buggy. Walk around the Walmart parking lot. Niecy, six, seven, eight years old, I don't know, go up to strangers in the snow with their coat. Will you buy a dozen donuts from us. Dad says when we finish selling this buggy, I can go home. <laughs> I swear. I swear. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Tons of fun. And uh, so much fun one Sunday. This is just fun. So, we're, we're renting a vacuum cleaner sales place. We had to set it up every week. Sometimes they'd have keggers the night before we come in, the carpet literally squashing with beer. Great odor, great aroma. We just we have church in there, right? And one Sunday, Johan's up at the keyboard. She's leading. Uh, it's not. She's leading worship, right? It's just me and her and like four people. And she just decides she's over it, like two songs in, because nobody's even doing, you know. And she's just like, like that means come on, if you don't know. And I was like she's like, mm. I'm like, no. Because I've always said, I mean, I'll go anywhere and preach anywhere if Jahan leads worship first. She'll do the hard work. I mean, you know what I mean? She'll do hard work. And then by the time I get up there, it'll be easy. She'll break through all this stuff. She wasn't breaking through that day. She's like, and I was like, nope. And she gave me like one more nod. And I gave her one more, and she just went. <laughs> walked off the stage. <laughs> stage. Walked across the floor. <laughs> and I walked up. Changed my sermon to submission. <laughs> Oh my goodness! We sold them. We sold them. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. We were committed. I'll give you that. So I'm miserable. Here's where we were. So this is the state I was in in my life. All right. I was miserable. I was. I was trying to be obedient. We thought we were going to take this church, and then didn't work out. Long story. We go to Planet Church. Um, I didn't want to be a guy who was an Absalom and trying to hurt my dad, so I obeyed what God said, but I thought, I didn't realize until a year into it that I had willed myself to fail. I have to obey, but I don't have to succeed. That way I'm not what everybody says I am. I'm not the guy that's trying to hurt his dad. So I willed myself. I didn't do anything to make it good. I just did what I had to do to make it obey. That's miserable. Some people live their whole life in that. Don't, don't ever tap into the real purposes. Just try to bottom line obey. On, that, yeah. So that's where I was. So I was miserable. So it gets to a point, John makes a suggestion. I think maybe you should go on a quest. There's something we had heard about, these little quests that you go on and spiritual renewals, and we had heard about a guy, just his life really being changed. She's like, pretty much, you need help. <laughs> And get it or I'm going to kill you. So I was like, okay. So I go. It's a process. Don't want to go through all of it. Awesome week. Paul's been. Some other people have been. Just Lane just went last year. We helped her go. Hannah's gone. Katie's been. has been. Chloe's been. Jahan's been. It's awesome. We'll help anybody go that wants to go. We believe in it. It's cool. And there's some other opportunities that we have too. That's awesome. John Smith. Where'd John go? I saw him a few minutes ago. He might have went out. John Smith's connected with a another men's thing that we're going to tie into. And so I believe in all these awesome things. We're definitely not the only people that know anything in the world. That's for sure, right? Um, so I was miserable. So I go, this whole process, whatever, they have a fast day on this thing. Today, you just fast all day long. And it's solitary. You don't speak. Food or speak. You don't speak to anybody. And so I went out on the fast day. Guess what? It fell on my birthday. So my birthday, couldn't eat or speak to anybody. And I went out into the woods, and I took a tent, and I got in this tent, and I'm going through. They have this little thing you go through and all this awesome stuff, really intentional and really Holy Spirit-led. But there was this one point that I got into it where it said, write a letter. I'm sorry, I don't want to give things away, Fellowship of the Sword, but I got to tell this one part. It said, write a letter from God to you now I'm 35 years old I think we, we tried to nail down how old I was but I'm 35 nine years ago 10 years ago now whew. man my 10 year anniversary Well, I had to be older than that because we were already in the church plant and the church was 10 years this year so anyways might have just been the very beginning oh it's so important it has to be right We had to preach the truth. All right, eight years ago. So I was 37, even closer to now. You may not even want to come to church anymore if you know I was such a bad guy, seven, eight years ago. But it doesn't matter. Hey, it's somewhere between five and 20 years ago. Okay? All right. Nine years ago. All right. My time, let's go. All right, so I go out on this fast day. It says, write a letter from God to yourself. Now, I had already been through this place where we go sit in this seat, and it's a mercy seat, and we confess, and people are confessing some crazy stuff. Because, I mean, you only have to be a Christian to go to this. It's very open. There's guys confessing some stuff that made me blush. And they're confessing stuff, and I'm like, oh, gosh, what am I going to confess? I'm perfect. You know what I mean? Like Padre already busted me a few years ago and I confess this stuff. Now I'm perfect. Like I'm a church planner. That means you're, I mean, you're God's gift to the earth, right? You're gonna plant a church? I'm a church planner. The Lord really convicted John and I through Padre's counseling when we got married. People ask, why do you have so many kids? Padre, it's his fault. If you don't like him, people are like, why do you have so many? I'm like, which one? Sometimes I say, which one do you think our life would be better if we didn't have? Just point to one of them. Well, I could never do that. Well, then shut up. Just love them, right? Just love them. So, you know, so we really felt like, Lord, we just want to leave our womb open. We just want to yeah. do what you do. You know, you give us, Lord, please give us a little break. You know, and He gave us the, 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 the probably the smallest break you could possibly have between kids and still have another kid. But it's okay. He loves us, so. They're like, what are you gonna confess? And so, like, the Lord was just like, just confess that you don't trust me. I was like, don't trust you? Do you even know what I do? (laughs) Like, I've left full-time ministry employment. I drive a school bus and mow grass every day to provide for my family. I made $10,000 last year with six kids. Somebody get your calculator out on that. Don't tell me I don't trust you, God. You know, I'm doing more stuff. I'm having more extravagant acts of obedience than anybody I know. He's like, I know. That's why it's so bad that you don't trust me. Because you're doing all this stuff, but you don't trust me while you're doing it. So you are so angry all the time because you're so afraid all the time and you're waiting on the shoe to drop, the bottom to fall out. I'm like, okay, I'll confess that, whatever. So it's the fast day, a couple days later, write a letter from you to God. I'm like, I'm I'm flying through the book because I'm really, I mean, I got to perfect my quest. You know, I'm the perfect, perfect Christian, I, you know. I did all these in time. I'm that guy, did you do all yours in the right time? You know, did you do all the stuff right? You know, let me see your answers. You know, I did all mine right. And got to that part and I had this time frame to do it in. And I was like, you know what? I have zero, 35 years old, raised in church. You've pastored 13 years. Now I'm starting a church. And I had not the slightest idea of what God thought about me. Not one idea. Like, I have, who am I to assume what God would say to me? Who am I? I'm just a lowly servant. I'm just obeying God. Obeying who? Don't obey somebody if you don't know their heart. Know his heart and obey him because you love him, not because you have to. So I realized I didn't even know. So here I am trying to perfect my quest. It's on my birthday, and I get so angry that I don't know God, and I don't know what he would say, that I'm screaming, and I'm yelling. There was somebody about a quarter of a mile away in another tent. And that night, he said, man, I heard you screaming, and I looked, make sure you're okay, and the tent was shaking. He's like, what were you doing in that tent? I literally was throwing stuff. I was just wrestling with God. So angry. Everything that I knew was just like pointless. I don't know what God thinks about me. What has been the point for 35 years? I eventually got to a place where I said, all right, you know what? Fine. I'll just write down what I wish you would say. And I start this letter, and I'll just tell you, I remember the day you took your first breath. And I looked to the Father, and I said, look, there's Michael. Isn't he the most beautiful thing I've ever seen? He's gonna be so amazing. He's perfect. And I walked through this whole letter, every stage in my life, failures, mess-ups, rebellion, sin. And I just wrote what I hoped he was saying in those moments. By the time I finished that letter, probably not even finished, about halfway through, I just started weeping uncontrollably because I felt the Holy Spirit just say, the reason why you want me to say all those things is because that's exactly what I think and I've put those desires in you to match who I am for you. I had this revelation that these things that I hoped about God were hopes that had been born in God because he won't give you any hope that he can't fulfill. And for the first time, 36, 37, 35, who knows? Who knows? I knew what God thought about me, and it wasn't tied to anything I had done. It wasn't tied if I did a, To if we had a good church, it wasn't tied if we were successful church planters. It wasn't tied if I had enough kids. It wasn't tied if I was a martyr enough. It wasn't tied to if I was broke enough and sick enough and you know struggling enough to get by yet still holding on. He just likes me. Just loves me, and there was recovery of sight to the blind, a redemptive revelation of the Father that changed my life forever. Not that I don't ever get in that cyclical mindsets again, and He has to break through again, but it changed my life forever so much i wanted to share with you we're gonna just end here i can get this computer to come back on another miracle there is a spider that dropped down off these lights that's a promise yes promise of death I receive the promise and destroy the messenger. All right? That's right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Man, I just wanted to walk you through stories and scripture of the heart of God, but I've just told you my story about the heart of God. This is during worship today. Every day gets sweeter and he just keeps getting better. Right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not getting better. You know why we think he's getting better? Because our vision is changing. Our vision is changing. Hey, he's a lot better today than he was 10 years ago to me because of that day in that tent, in that revelation of his love for me, he got sweeter. He got sweeter and he got better. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus has just fed the 4,000 this time, seven loaves of bread on a boat with his disciples and he warns them about the leaven of the Pharisees. There's so much about the leaven of the Pharisees, but for today, let's just say part of that warning is that merit system that would replace the heart of God with just the law of God make you miss out on the why and who just get caught up on the what and the how? Are you with me? It's the leaven of the Pharisees, and they when He warns them of the leaven of the Pharisees, they say, "Oh, did we forget bread again?" Jesus. He said, Why all this fussing, verse." They don't have this in the back, so that's got it. Why all this fussing over forgetting to bring bread? Do you still not see or understand what I say to you? Are your hearts still hard? You have good eyes, yet you still don't see. Ain't nothing wrong with your eyes, but you still don't see. You have good ears, yet you still don't hear. Neither do you remember when I multiplied the bread to feed more than 5,000 people, and he asked him how many bread baskets were left over, and then he same thing with the four, how many baskets? And then he says, then how is it that you still don't get it? So many times we can even preach this in a harsh manner, like, but Jesus' frustration was just that, again, they didn't know how faithful. thought he was rebuking them for something they hadn't done. He was warning them to never think like the Pharisees think about him. Come on. Did we mess up again? I'm not talking about y'all messing up. I just want to make sure you don't ever think it's about whether you mess up. I want you to know my heart. Listen. He goes on right after that. You have great eyes but you don't see. You have ears, but you don't understand. He goes on right after that. Okay? How they don't get it. That's verse 21, verse 22. When they arrived at Bethesda, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, begging him to touch him and heal him. So Jesus led him as his sighted guide outside the village. Come on, man. This, this During worship this morning, he led him outside as his sighted guide. Listen, he loved you before you could ever see him. Is that not crazy? Before he ever healed the blind man, he led the blind man. He came to you when you could offer nothing to him. You couldn't even see to do what's right. Never mind impress him with your doing what's right. He came on and led you. Come on, he's gonna lead them before they can even see him. Y'all receive that right now? He's gonna lead our children home before they can even see him. He's gonna lead people home before they could even see him. So he led him as his sighted guide. He's as his sighted guide. He's like, I see enough for both of us. <laughs> Where am I at? Outside. He placed his salava. Saliva. Sorry if you're not Southern. I forget sometimes that we have people that aren't Southern. John, again, I mentioned John twice in this service. Me and John have breakfast one day this week. Where do you want to have breakfast? Where do you go to eat breakfast? People from the South. Thank you. I said, let's go to Cracker Barrel. He said, no. Nah, not a fan I said oh yeah I forgot you're not from the south we'll go to first watch and you can eat avocado and toast saliva <laughs> you know like a volcano saliva saliva God, let me finish, I'm (laughs) finished. He placed his saliva in his eyes, covered them with his hands. And I just want him to spit on me. do not you? Gives a whole new meaning to that song that we like to change the lyrics because it's too, too, too risque. Like heaven meets earth, sloppy wet kiss come on I want it sloppy and wet all over every broken place in my life come on breathe on me spit on me put your hand on me cause you love me so Covered him with his hands. Then he asked, now do you see anything? Yes, he said. Praise the Lord. My sight is coming back. I'm beginning to see people. But they look like trees. Walking trees. Jesus put his hand over the man's eyes a second time. And made him look up. The man opened his eyes wide and could see everything perfectly. His eyesight was completely restored. Then Jesus sent him home. You think Jesus just didn't have the goods that day to heal him for one prayer? Or you think he just took the opportunity to teach his disciples something about being having good eyes but not being able to see? Come on, you see the stages? Come on, just embrace it, church. I don't care what anybody what what stage people think I'm in I don't care I mean it always says we're going to look through a glass darkly until we see him so I'm not at the perfect sight stage probably in my whole life even though I just keep wanting to be we keep wanting to get those names those badges and show where we're at in our walk and in our stage just be thankful that you're either blind and he still loves you and he's still leading you to a place of sight before you even know it. Or that he's touched you. Hey, I'm thankful for every inferior revelation I've had in my life. That's not the fullness, but it was in part and it did something to me to at least keep me in a place. All right? I'm thankful. Some of the things that I like God has had to deliver me from but I'm thankful for a religious upbringing <laughs> I'm thankful for some of the things and even though it may have been like men with trees it was still he had his hand on my life and he had touched me and I'm thankful that you're here today because you're either blind and he's brought you here because he loves you or you may be seeing men as trees and you're coming here to make sure you do the right thing even though you're not really getting all the reasoning about the heart of God, are you with me? Or maybe he's touched your eyes and you've seen something that like, oh my goodness, I can never till my last day get enough of what I've seen. And it's given you faith and faith for more and more. Would you stand with me this morning? Twelve thirty-one. We thank you, Lord, for your miraculous power today. (laughs) You know what I'm so hungry for? I'm so hungry for real. I'm so hungry for people to be hungry. I don't want to have church where two people say I want to be prayed for. visit a church where I have a lot of confidence in the leader and like I've traveled and flown and drove I'll go to three service they'll have the same service three times and I'll go to all three of them it's like riding a roller coaster I'll just go out the exit and get back in line go out the exit and get back in line people are like you're going to go back in the yep yeah. you're going to go back to the altar yep yeah. yep yeah. an expectation guys what I'm saying is wherever you are in this journey there's recovery of sight to the blind there's so much more to see it's as if at this point in your life you haven't even opened your eyes no matter how no matter how 45 years old, 35 years old 67 years old Have you seen things in the last year of your life that you never saw any other time? Come on, recovery. Whoever would think that this sermon would be for Padre, Pastor Emeritus, Father in the House, hey, I'm praying for recovery of sight to the blind. I'm recovering praying for a a, a second laying on of hands, a, a spit on the eyes, a hands on your eyes and I'm praying for new revelation redemptive revelation deeper revelation the only thing I'm afraid of is that we'll be a people that for whatever reason think that there's not more that he's not better that he doesn't get sweeter that he doesn't get better that it's not more and it's not better and he doesn't keep getting sweeter maybe we feel invalidated maybe we feel disqualified maybe we feel it's for everybody else but me whatever the reason I believe it is a deception of the enemy to outwit us and to rob us and to steal us and to kill from us and if we would see It just reminds me that old song, "Open the eyes of my heart." I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. Gonna, I just want to tell you, listen. I don't know how long it'll take, and I don't know when we get there. I hope it's overnight, but a house that's gonna see revival that changes. Nation. Some some of y'all may still be thinking that's not our call. I still believe it is. To change a nation and the nations of the world. Look around. Wait. wait. This is a small. No. To change the nation and the nations of the world. Because God can do it right here. If this group of people would get hungry, would get passionate, would believe, would believe that they haven't even tapped into the goodness of God, would quit believing the lies of the enemy, would start believing the Spirit is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to to bring, bring liberty to those that are bruised and to declare the acceptable year of the Lord but you know what you first have to believe it before you can preach it before you can pray it, before you can give it, before you can anything. So that means every time we come into this building, he's wanting to. He's wanting us to hear good news. Remember, we can be rich and still like we're poor. Still hungry for more. So we should come in here every time, ready. Like if I don't get it today, I'm missing some massive revelation of the heart of God for my life. Not from a deficit place, not from a striving place, from an excited place. There's a gift wrapped for me and I'm gonna make sure today when we meet together as a body that we bring complete fulfillment of the assignment. Every Sunday, specifically here. This is not my assignment on the earth, it's for Sunday. But on Sunday, I have an assignment. And on Sunday, you have an assignment. When we come together, we have an assignment. And I want to be able to say, like those TikTok videos, I understand the assignment. the assignment I never leave here like I came cause I understand the assignment yeah. on me on this body Have I seen that? this is just right where you're at can we just make this our prayer today prayer team if you'll come if somebody wants specific prayer just come on up prayer team Just make this formal um, appeal. It's probably not on the website because it just now crossed my mind to do it like this. I want the most powerful prayer team. I want people on our prayer team, and it's limited. So if you want to if you want to operate, if you want to be on the prayer team, if you want to pray for people, man, we've got training, we've got all kinds of stuff. We'll get a link on the website. I want you to go to that website, put it on I wanna build a powerful, powerful prayer team. Because if our body comes expecting, then we need a powerful prayer team ready to pray, even though we all are the prayer team in our seats, but come on, just come on up here and be on a prayer team. You'll alternate, you don't have to serve every week. Is that okay? So they're here if you want individual prayer, but we're just gonna pray in our seats today. Whatever stage you're in, maybe you feel like you're just completely blind, but hey, I just wanna come by to tell you today, that's okay because he's still leading you he's led you here today for a miracle he's led you here today for recovery of sight to the blind maybe even if you've been in church 35 years you're still seeing men walk like trees you're still kind of getting it but there's so much religion in it and there's so much not understanding about it he wants to touch you again fresh and new buddy maybe today you feel like you've seen it i mean you've had some encounters And you're just so hungry for more and out of excitement, just go after more today. Come on, so whatever stage we're in, open the eyes of my heart, y'all. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.